Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look at Italy as a destination for African footballers. We speak to Nigeria defender William Troost Ekong, who's moved to Udinese. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be in Italy now. I think it's considered one of the best leagues now. I think you you have to mention it in the same breath as um, as Premier League and uh, Bundesliga now. So how good is football in Italy? And can Juventus win the Champions League this season? And also in England, are Manchester City starting to assert their authority in the Premier League? That's coming up later, but first, Esperance of Tunisia will play Al-Akhli of Egypt in the final of the African Champions League. That'll be on Friday of next week and then the following Friday. That's November the 2nd and 9th. Esperance did it with a 4-2 win over Angolan side Primero Augusto in the second leg of their semi-final in Tunis. Esperance took the tie 4-3 on aggregate, but thanks to a late goal five minutes from time, which meant heartbreak for Primero Augusto, who were aiming to become the first Angolan club to reach the final of the Champions League. In the other tie, eight-time champions Al-Athli beat Algeria's Entente Setif 3-2 on aggregate, despite losing the second leg 2-1. So it's an all-North African final. Tough for Primero Augusto. They were just five minutes away then from making it to the final, as it was 3-3 on aggregate, with Augusto leading on away goals until that late goal from Esperance. Uh, tough luck for Primero Augusto, Solomon. And I think the, the, the players were very motivated to to go in there, you see their approach, you saw their passion. But, you know, when you get to the semi-final, obviously, a lot of experience counts, and, and that was what a bit of, I think, they, they lacked. And there are so many factors that came into play. First, there was the, the loud explosions going off throughout the match in, in Tunis, which the coach of uh, Primero Agosto described it as a terror film, you know. And then there was a pitch invasion. Uh, you know, 20 people coming onto the pitch. So th- that might be a distraction for them. That's what you get when you go to, uh, to North Africa. You know, you don't just play against the, 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 the team, your opponent, but you play against the fans also. But credit must go to, uh, Primero Agosto and their players and the way they approach the game. And I think they should be proud of themselves the way they, they played and good for Angolan football and also good for football fans, uh, in Angola. And looking at the final, Esperance and Al-Athli have met twice before in the final. That was in 1994 and in 2012. One win each. Uh, which way do you see this one going, Solomon? It's going to be a very tough one between Esperance and Al-Hali. Definitely, these are very strong traditional uh, teams, uh, big rivals uh, between the two nations and between the two clubs in North Africa. This will be a repeat of the 2012 Cup Champions League final in which Al-Hali won. This is going to be their 12th Champions League final. Al-Hali have a, a bit of advantage in their French coach, Patrice Cateron, who has uh, had previous experiences you know, with uh, Tipi Mazembe. And and for Esperance, you know, they are two-time African champions. They won the title in 1994 and 2011. And, and they're definitely looking to revenge also their 2012 Champions League final defeat by Al-Hali. Uh, while Al-Hali, who has won the, 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 the trophy eight times in, in the competition, are looking forward to 
to, to set in a record by adding a ninth title and also there's 2.5 million dollar winning prize at stake and also a place in the FIFA Club World Cup to be hosted by the United Arab Emirates in December. So we'll see. Uh, likely to be a close one, I'd say. 2nd and 9th of November, the two legs of the CAF Champions League final as Esperance take on Al Athli. Now, one amazing story, uh, amazing for all of the wrong reasons. Uh, Fauzi Benzati was sacked as Tunisia's head coach last weekend, having just qualified the team for next year's Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, three wins out of three since he took over as coach for Benzati. Uh, but to just a few days after the team's 2-1 win away to Niger, Tunisia's Football Federation made the surprising announcement, but uh, not detailing the reasons. Uh, Benzati said it was disappointing, humiliating and insulting to be fired after qualifying Tunisia for the Nations Cup. We're now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport to Football in Italy. And we're going to hear from William Troost Ekong, who played for Nigeria at this year's FIFA World Cup. Troost Ekong was born in the Netherlands. He played for the Netherlands at youth level before opting for Nigeria at senior level. The 25-year-old defender has moved to Udinese in Italy from Bursa Spor in Turkey, where he was last season. Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Troost Ekong and first asked about the journey from the Netherlands to Tottenham's youth side, and then to Belgium, to Norway and to Turkey, and now hitting the big time in Syria A. Uh, yeah, I think there's been like a steady progression. I think, uh, you said it right. So I've come a long way since the, when I started playing my first, uh, first team football anyway. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be in Italy now. I think it's considered one of the best leagues now. I think you, you have to mention it in the same breath as, um, as Premier League and uh, Bundesliga now. And, um, yeah. It's uh, still still part part of the journey, so hopefully this is not my final stop. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy where I am now, and I still think I have a lot of room to grow. So uh, yeah, we thank God. As a defender, I mean, pundits have actually said Italian football is good for you. I think it's probably uh, one of the best places to learn tactically. Um, you know, it, the defending is maybe even more important than than scoring goals in Italy. So. Uh, you know, when you get a clean sheet or you defend well, they can really appreciate it. So it's something that they sp- uh, pay a lot of attention to. So um, you have extra scrutiny, but also you have um, maybe extra knowledge you can you can take on board and learn. And um, yeah, now I play against uh, some top defenders. Last week I spoke to Chiellini and uh, yeah, he's been there for his whole career. And he's just said that uh, yeah, it's probably the best uh, tactical um learning uh, space for any defender really so you know if you hear it from someone like that then you have to believe it so it's uh, yeah definitely a good place for me to be right now in my career when you look at the way your career has gone i mean at the time you were training with Ari Kane now Ari Kane top player gone to the world cup you've also played in the world cup everything seems to be going right yeah, I don't think you can put me and Harry Kane in the same sentence or play yet. I think uh, he's obviously world class and a uh, different level. Um, however, uh, I run my own race, and um, yeah, I think that I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm getting where I want to want to be. Uh, I'm not where I want to be yet. Uh, I don't think I'll ever have that satisfaction, but I think maybe that's the same thing that drives me. Um, however, I think um, it's been uh, quite a long journey already from from leaving England through the back door and and uh, now arriving in Italy through the front door. So it's uh, yeah, it's nice and like I said, hopefully there'll be more to come. When you look at Italian football, what are the things that you say you know you find a bit different from everywhere else you've played? 
Uh, I think every game I play now, it's, uh, for me, it feels like a big game. Like I feel like I have to uh, be aware 90 minutes every week. Um, whereas maybe in Italy, I felt that, I mean, sorry, in Turkey before, uh, the big games were special, um, but you had other games which were less so, whereas now I feel any game I play, uh, whether you play against uh, Bologna, Frosinone or Juventus or Milan, um, yeah, you have to concentrate 90 minutes. You have to play your best game because, you know, in Italy, they play a lot of counter football and they get one chance and they'll score a goal. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that is driving me to, uh, to try and search perfection in that, in that sense, uh, uh, which is not possible, but you try to get there. And, um, yeah, I think that's the real difference. I think the tempo is higher and, uh, yeah, and the quality is a lot better. How significant was it scoring to close the chapter of your football in Turkey against Fenerbahce? Yeah, it was a nice, um, a nice way to end. Um, I think it was inevitable I was going to move. I think everyone was already speculating and there was a lot of talking going on uh, during and after the World Cup. Um, so yeah, we were coming to the end of August then. And, um, yeah, after that game, it went very quickly. And, um, I think one or two days later, I was on the plane to Italy. So, um, yeah, that's how football goes sometimes. And, um, that might have been the last, uh, drop needed to, uh, you know, uh, complete the yeah, whatever was going on. So um, yeah, it was a nice way to say goodbye, maybe to the fans. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win that game, but it was uh, yeah my last game, and um, yeah, a good way to say goodbye to Turkey, maybe. And a final way to end this interview: your World Cup. You had so much hopes and aspirations. You wanted to do so much at the World Cup, but it didn't end well for Nigeria or yourself at the World Cup. No, I think um, yeah, that is something that is probably going to ginger us on now again for uh, the Afcon and. And the next World Cup, hopefully, if we get to be a part of that, um, uh, you know, I, I look back with mixed feelings. Of course, everyone was disappointed we didn't go through to the next round. Um, however, I think it was a personal victory for me, ready to be at the World Cup, uh, let alone play uh, in all the games. And um, yeah, something that definitely gave me bags of experience now. And uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully, I'll get to be part of, a, of another World Cup and. Um, we can make Nigeria more proud that time round. So, yeah, that's life sometimes. And uh, I'm still thankful I was there. And I think uh, we still managed to put some smiles on Nigerian faces anyway in uh, the Iceland game and, and brought Nigeria together. And, uh, yeah, that was something special already. So that's Nigeria's William Troost Ekong speaking to Oluwashina Akaleji, hoping for better times with the Super Eagles. Great achievement nonetheless to be there with Nigeria at the FIFA World Cup this year. Uh, so our main focus on the show this week is football in Italy, with Troost Ekong having moved to Udinese in a great move for him. Uh, now, Stuart, how would you rate uh, football in Italy? Uh, Troost Ekong saying that it's up there with the English Premier League and the German Bundesliga, uh, but Italy seemed to be finding it hard to win the Champions League of late, and they were missing from this year's World Cup, but the profile of the Serie A was boosted with the move of Cristiano Ronaldo to Juventus. Italy is one of the great footballing nations of the world. I would see not qualifying for the World Cup this year at a blip. They have a difficult qualifying group, including Spain, and then they lost a playoff to Sweden by just one goal over two legs. While it is true that an Italian club has not won the Champions League since 2010, when uh, Inter Milan won it with Jose Mourinho at the helm, to be fair, no one other than a Spanish club has won the Champions League in the past five years and uh, Juventus have been in two of the last four finals losing to Barcelona and Real Madrid 
And, Steve, having seen Juventus beat Manchester United this week and frankly looking at class above United, I would not be surprised if Juventus win the Champions League this year. Signing Ronaldo from Real Madrid was a big statement and he started well, scoring five goals in nine games, which incidentally takes him incredibly to 400 league goals in his career. The problem has been that Ronaldo, having been accused of rape in an incident going back to 2009, uh, the headlines have been about the rape and not about his football. So the publicity that Juve had hoped to get by signing Ronaldo has proved to be a negative publicity. Yes, sir, they wouldn't have been expecting that. And to Stuart, there's perhaps surprisingly high African interest in Syria air. When you think of African players who have made an impact in Italy, you can certainly think of Cameroon Samueletto, who was in the Inter Milan team, which won that Champions League that we talked about in 2010. But Eto actually only played three seasons in Italy, two for Inter Milan and one for Sampdoria. And incidentally, now aged 37, Samueletto is still playing, currently in Qatar. I also remember seeing Sully Montari playing for Inter Milan. The Ghanaian played in Italy for 13 years, a total of 270 games for four different clubs. But there are currently over 50 African players under contract to Serie A clubs in Italy. There are 10 Ivorians, 10 from Senegal and 8 from Ghana. But there are 12 African countries with a representative in Syria A. And Udinese actually have seven African players, including William Trust Egon, that uh, we just heard from. And a really encouraging aspect is that nine of the 50 Africans in Italy are teenagers. Among the more experienced players are Asamoa from Ghana, who has played 10 years in Italy with several clubs and is currently at Inter Milan. Kuma Babakar from Senegal plays for Sassoulo and he has been in Italy for seven years playing a hundred games. Ola Aina is a 22-year-old Nigerian at Torino and he's actually on loan from Chelsea where he didn't get a look in but he's already had eight appearances in his first season in Italy so that was a good move for him. Another Nigerian, Joel Opi, is a Chivo He's got 17 international caps and has played in Italy for eight years. There are two Gambians, Musa Barra, who's already scored three goals for Atalanta, and Omar Kohli in his first season at Sampdoria. And others you could mention are Amadou Daiwara from Guinea, only 21, but already with 40 games for Napoli under his belt. Or Keter Balde, who of course played for Senegal in the World Cup, who is at Inter Milan and has previously played a 100 games for Lazio, or Brian Dabo, a 26-year-old from uh, Burkina Faso, playing for Fiorentina, and, of course, Gervinho, now 31, with uh, 80 appearances for Cote d'Ivoire. He's at Parma after playing not only for Arsenal, but three seasons at Roma. Uh, and the final one I'd mention is uh, Eve Barai, a Senegal player who has been in Italy for eight years, including 
90 games for Parma. Serie A is a tough league, and I think it's great to see so many Africans who are there and flourishing. Thanks, Stuart. And I must say, I had no idea there were that many Africans playing in Italy's top flight. Well, this week on social media, we're asking, can Juventus win the Champions League this season? Uh, Stuart thinks it's possible. He's told us about how Italy is one of the strongest footballing nations in the world. Uh, Can Juventus win the Champions League? Give us your thoughts on Facebook. Planet Sport Football Africa is our page. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Victory over Manchester United midweek. Can Juventus go on to win the Champions League? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv. And our other shows are there, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast. Also, interviews with various sports stars, including Ghana's Christian Achu and Cameroon's Collins Fai. Uh, plus, uh, information about me and the rest of the team in the About Us section. You'll find pictures of us and profiles of the Planet Sport Football Africa team there. Our New Look website, planetsport.tv. And next we turn to social media. And on the show last week we heard from Cameroon's Andre Onana, one of Africa's most successful goalkeepers. He's the first choice keeper for Dutch giants Ajax Amsterdam. Well, over the years, very few African keepers have made it at big clubs in Europe and there's never been one in the English Premier League. The most successful have been Cameroonians Thomas Nkono and Joseph Antoine Bell and Nigeria's Vincent Enyama. So last week we asked, can more African goalkeepers make it in Europe? Well, James Wallace Jr. on WhatsApp in Malawi raises a point that many would agree with. Uh, James says, yes, I think they can make it in Europe, but what is lacking in us Africans is just investing in football as a whole. We can do better if we invest. Lee Sise in the Gambia believes it's down to personal motivation. The African goalies have got to be more ambitious and confident in themselves whenever the chance comes their way, says Lee. With that, more goalies will be produced in the top leagues of Europe. However, Barang Sane, also in the Gambia, thinks there's a more basic reason. Not many players are making goalkeeping as their position, says Barang. That's why we're not seeing many in Africa progress in that position. So I still don't think we'll see many African goalkeepers in Europe's top leagues. In Malawi, Alfred Mdimba says, yes, they can make it. If strikers, midfielders and defenders are making it in Europe, then so can goalkeepers. Eb Silla in the Gambia comments on what he's seen in his own country. And very interesting this, uh, Eb says, I don't think African goalkeepers can make it for big clubs. I've been in the Gambia where I was born, but I've never heard that people are conducting trials for goalkeepers. I've seen players doing trials, but not for goalkeepers. And so, no, this sort of thing makes it difficult for goalkeepers to play for big clubs. I saw the former Manchester United striker Alan Smith with my own two eyes conducting trials in the Gambia here, and I heard that he needed four or five players, but they didn't mention any goalkeepers. So if these kind of things are still happening, how can goalkeepers have a chance to play for big clubs in Europe? It'll be very difficult, says Ebb. Odipo Morris in Kenya refers to the difference in standards between the African and European leagues. 
Uh, sure, they can make it in Europe, says Odipo, although I think it's normally very hard to determine the full potential of a goalkeeper, especially in the African leagues. And that view may be what's lying behind this comment from Gift Chipanda in Malawi. Uh, yes, they can make it to Europe, says Gift, but the biggest problem they have is the feeling of inferiority that they can't reach that far and they mostly give up when their performance falls. Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone says it will be difficult for African goalkeepers to make it in Europe because they lack the mentality to focus. I think the few who have made it are able to focus their mind on the game and that's why they've succeeded. They need to be focused, says Jesse. Modu Drame in the Gambia agrees it will be hard, but for a different reason. I don't think so, because Africans had the belief that goalkeepers are not paid well, uh, so their parents don't want their kids to be goalkeepers, says Modu. Uh, rather, they prefer their kids to be playing as attackers or midfielders. Uh, parents didn't even want their kids to be defenders, but that is changing now, says Modu. Another interesting view there. Uh, but uh, Samba Jao in the Gambia is more positive. Yes, I do think so, says Samba, because Africa has very good goalkeepers with confidence and determination. And with hard work, we'll see more African goalkeepers in the top leagues of Europe. Dominic Ompile in Botswana agrees, saying they can succeed in Europe, as does Efratha Kamanga in Malawi, who says they can if they do their best. Moses in the Gambia says yes, it can happen if European teams tour Africa and have friendlies with our teams. Uh, that way they can spot our talent. Also, they can sponsor our teams and academies in Africa, where they can use African players in their reserve teams, as they do at Ajax, says Moses. Uh, Sana Jaune, also in the Gambia, says, Sometimes when I see African goalkeepers at the World Cup and the Nations Cup performing well, I like to see them having that chance to be in the English Premier League. I don't know what it is that's stopping them from making it, but I think in the long run, more will make it, says Sana. And finally, Ndee Freke Itina in Nigeria says, yes, sure they can. More and more talented goalkeepers from Africa are coming up. So let's give them our support and encouragement, says Ndee Freke. Thanks very much for all of those interesting comments. And uh, again, this week on social media, we're asking, can Juventus win the Champions League as we focused on Italian football this week? Can they make it? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's a Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. To the English Premier League now, and Manchester City and Liverpool are sharing top spot, both on 23 points, both teams unbeaten, but Man City with a superior goal difference. Uh, I'm feeling that Man City's quality is starting to show now, and they might edge ahead of Liverpool. Uh, or, Stuart, is it still game on? I think, Steve, we need to keep remembering that we're not a quarter of the way through the season yet, so we can't draw too many conclusions. Manchester City and Liverpool remain unbeaten and equal on points at the top. Yes, Manchester City have scored 10 more goals than Liverpool with that 5-0 win over Burnley, while Liverpool struggled to a 1-0 win at Huddersfield. But you know, getting the win when you're not playing well in a difficult away game is what good teams do, so credit to Liverpool. Incidentally, Steve, uh, that was the 27th time that City have struck five goals in domestic match since Manchester United last managed it. City have also scored 19 goals since they last conceded in a domestic game, so no one can doubt how well they're playing at the moment. 
Riyad Mahrez, their Algerian winger, had a busy game against Burnley, scoring one goal, creating four chances, making four crosses and having nine touches in the opposition penalty area. It was also interesting to see Mahrez start with Raheem Sterling, who seems to me to be in the form of his life, being an unused substitute. It does look as if Guardiola sees Mahrez and Sterling as an either-or. Mo Salah scored Liverpool's goal, but I don't want to make too much about that, having said last week that I didn't think it was helpful to talk about a crisis. Uh, Salah has scored four goals in nine games, frankly a return that most strikers would be pleased with. Last week we previewed the Chelsea-Manchester United game and had certainly lived up to the billings. With Manchester United coming from behind with two goals from Anthony Martial, only to see Chelsea equalise through Ross Barkley six minutes into stoppage time. Some of the headlines afterwards were taken by an incident uh, when the Chelsea assistant manager Marco Iani uh, was seen to gloat in front of Jose Mourinho. But I thought the Chelsea manager Mauricio Sarri dealt with the incident with a lot of class, being honest enough to say on television it should not have happened, apologising personally and making his assistant apologise. Well done him. The final game of the weekend saw Arsenal beat Leicester 3-1. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang started on the bench, uh, came on after an hour and had scored two goals in the next five minutes. The striker from Gabon looked sharp, but for all that, it does look as if Arsenal see Alexandre Lacazette as their starting striker. It was also good to see Arsenal giving 90 minutes to the Nigerian Alex Awobi, and there were two Nigerians in the Leicester City starting lineup, Ndidi, who headed against the bar when the score was 1-1, and Kelechi Ihanacho, who has sometimes struggled to hold down a starting place. Incidentally, Steve, it's only two years since Leicester were Premier League champions, but last night's starting lineup only included two of that team, Casper Schmeichel and Jimmy Vardy, how things have changed at Leicester. This weekend, Tottenham are at home to Manchester City, and the following week says Arsenal at home to Liverpool. These two games will give us more information on the relative strengths of the top teams. Well, sure. So Stuart thinks things are still shaping up in the Premier League. And what else have you got for us, Stuart? It's been a bit of a topsy-turvy season with strained results. So let me give you some examples, Steve. Manchester City beat Cardiff 5-0, but Cardiff themselves beat Fulham 4-2. And Fulham beat Burnley 4-2. Burnley got four against Bournemouth. And Bournemouth beat Watford 4-0. Watford then beat Wolves 2-0. and Wolves drew with Manchester City. Work that one out. Newcastle United are bottom of the table with seven defeats and two draws, and they're the first team since 1931 to have gone nine games in the top flight without a win or without a draw in which they scored. Wolves lost to Watford but are still ninth, a lot better than most people would have expected. In an age of squad rotation, it's fascinating to see that Wolves have started all nine games with the same 11 players. We previously talked about large Premier League squads and players out on loan. Well, how about this? In the Championship last weekend, 
11 Chelsea players were involved. That is, 11 Chelsea players on loan to championship teams. Yes, that's ridiculous, really. Uh, so many Chelsea players out on loan. Nigeria national team defender Kenneth Omeruo is still a Chelsea player, but has been loaned out to a seventh club. He's now with Leganes in Spain, having never played for Chelsea. Well, away from the English Premier League, it's the El Clasico, the highlight of the weekend on Sunday. But uh, no Messi or Ronaldo this time as Barcelona hosts struggling Real Madrid. Ronaldo, of course, now with Juventus and a Messi injured. And another exciting week it was in the UEFA Champions League and a milestone for Egypt's Mohamed Salah as he scored twice for Liverpool against Red Star Belgrade. 50 Liverpool goals for Salah in 65 games. And uh, finally, we heard from Modu Lamine Marong in Sweden. Uh, Modu is a 19-year-old Gambian player who told us a few months ago that he went for trials uh, in Sweden and uh, then got a contract and signed professional terms with Swedish third division side John Sered. He's a regular listener to Planet Sport Football Africa and uh, Modu says that uh, the season is finished now. He scored six goals in six games and six assists too, helping to take the team from eighth position into fourth. And Modu says he'll be staying in Sweden to prepare more for next season. So that's good news. Thanks for sharing that with us. And Modu Lamin Marong, a Gambian player in Sweden. That's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>